the SWP Podcast. And now, with Jim Jerome, here's Steve Warren. Yeah, welcome to the Steve Warren Project, nicknamed the SWP. We had an expensive creative team come up with that, I assure you. It's all about tales of sports and whatever. Steve and Jimmy back again. James, how are things? Uh, Stevie, my boy. Uh, the weekend was fine. It was all about the football, for sure. Me too. Yep, I uh, watched uh, all the games. And uh, I sound like a, I sound like a, uh, I don't know, some sort of sports, sports fan, re- sports reporter. I've watched all the games, you know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember Pierre would get us with that one, maybe 12 NHL games. So, uh, Pierre, I know you couldn't have watched uh, this, not all the games and stuff. No, no, no. I saw them all. Saw them all. Every one of them. Yeah. So, come yeah, on yeah. now. Have you got the time yeah. space continuum mastered, Pierre? Do you? Yeah. It was like, it reminded me of a kid when a parent would be, would be, uh, you know, finger pointing at their kid going, you're not telling the truth. And you go like this. I'm, I'm not lying. I'm not lying, man. <laughs> Mom, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Mom. I watched all the games, you guys. I did, I did, I did. I watched all the games. I'm not lying. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> ah, he was good people. Good people. Yeah, good people for sure. Uh, Certainly yeah, on the hockey front, there was, it wasn't just NFL. We had a good hockey game between your NHL team and my NHL team. And for the first yes. time since going back before COVID, I think, the Sens actually won. Because I think the Oilers went either 9-0 and or 10-0 and in that weird North Division thing last year in the shortened season. Finally, the uh, Sens go into Edmonton on Saturday night and score five in the third to erase a 3-1 lead, or deficit, I should say. And the yeah. Sens win at 6-4. to four. Yeah. Yep, I uh, I watched that game too, and uh, those are tough games because I I find myself uh, I can tell who I'm cheering for, Steve, when I flip the flip the tube on, and uh, for example, if, you know when I see Dallas San Fran come up right away, I'm like, okay, I want uh, Dallas. I'm a Dallas guy, uh, although I took San Fran with you, and I end up end up winning that game. Um, so I was all about that, Stevie. Uh, I watched the front, the uh, Australian Open is on. Shapovalov uh, won his, so I'd love, I'd love that. I'll start to watch that through the week a little bit, just, just for the Canadians. Okay, That just started today, right? Yeah, yesterday. Okay. Yesterday it started, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the hockey and the Oilers game. And what else did I watch, Stevie? Oh, yes, the golf. Yeah, the golf, uh, which is the second event. The Sony Open was on, so... Because you are Pierre Maguire here. You're watching everything. I did. All the games, I, I, all the I golf. everything. Unbelievable. Yeah I, yeah, I did. And I banged off Afterlife. Uh, oh, good. What would you think? Yeah. Did you watch it? Of course. You watched the whole thing? I love, loved it. Yeah, I love Weeping like a baby. Weeping like a baby. And uh, it was uh, the whole the whole show was kind of, if, if you've watched the first uh, couple of seasons, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a raw, sarcastic, absolutely tormented, uh, Ricky Gervais in his character, Tony, um, you know, through the, through the whole two seasons, you know, that his, his wife died of cancer and he just, he, he's just absolutely saddled with sadness, you know, about it through the whole show. Uh, but, 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 you know, in injections of humor. Okay, through the whole way. That's that's the way I kind of explained that show, and uh, so season three, it's kind of a it's kind of a softening up of Tony, Stevie, you know, over over the course of the over the course of the series. 
basically it was him getting healthy over the course of the show. But that one, and I don't want to give much away, I hate spoilers and stuff, but that scene in the sick kid's hospital was like the almost the pinnacle of the show for me. Like when, when Tony says definitely to the little kid, I like had an audible right. gasp of emotion, like, like almost like we just, my wife was like, what was that noise? I'm like, Oh, shut up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't want to yeah. give too much away. It's a good show. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, what makes it, what makes it really good too. Um, and maybe you'll see more and more of this with, with series, right? Cause it, we're just being, we're just being bombarded with series, Netflix series. Okay. One after another, one after another. And if, um, if a show goes into a second season, you know, it's a big, it's a big humble brag, you know, by the way, there's, you know, there's another season, this, this series survived to do another season. And, um, so, so you got to commit, you know, Stevie, and they're usually one hour episodes, 45 minutes to an hour, you know, eight shows, 10 shows. So you really got to, you really got to, you know, cash in, right. <laughs> to do it. But this thing are the afterlife, six shows, 25 minutes a show. Whammo. Great idea. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah, it came out on Friday and I watched it all on Friday. So yeah, it was yeah. not a big commitment. It was like the equivalent of watching Titanic or something lengthwise. Yeah, exactly. Three-hour movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I jammed that in over the weekend. Very cool. Um, well, I hope everybody had a great weekend, whatever you got up to. Certainly in the city of Ottawa, we're getting absolutely annihilated Snowmageddon. Uh, I think when all is said and done, we're expecting about 40 centimeters. And uh, usually when they say that, as they get 20, but man, this one was on the mark. They were saying going into this thing that it's a, a special weather event, the kind that only happens once every 10 years or so. And they've been right on the money. It's uh, the snow plows. inches of snow, man. Yeah, it's been, uh, it been a bit crazy. Um, yesterday, meanwhile, uh, speaking of winter hijinks, everybody in town's reacting to this one woman who I guess drove from Kempville to Manatick on the Rideau River in her in her car just down the river (laughs) like what what is wrong with people like and and so people people well she made it as far as manatee and finally i guess went through the people are wondering like oh my god you know how did you get through this area without going through the ice but she made i guess she made it all the way close to manatee and then fell through the ice but everybody had their Everybody's got backyard security cameras now. So everybody's posting online this blazing little yellow car going down the Rideau River. And and while it's funny, at the same time, it was super dangerous. There's like little kids out there on the river playing pond hockey. Like she loses control and she was going fast. Like she was booking it. If she loses control, she's on ice. She's going to need about 300 yards to come to a stop. And she could easily careen into a bunch of people that are enjoying a Sunday afternoon on the Rideau Canal or on the Rideau River. And so anyway, she made it all the way through and then she fell through the ice and then they, you know, authorities were called. But instead, you're thinking, okay, is she in trouble? No, she she casually climbs out on top of the car and starts taking selfies of herself. So I, I got to thinking at the end of the day, it's probably like, okay. She's obviously a YouTuber or something like that and just stunting. So she's gotten a major charge. I think whatever the highest dangerous driving charge there is, I think she'll be getting it. And it'll be interesting to see how that story plays out. Everybody's talking about that today because there was so much video and photos about it. Try it yourself. No, No, do not. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try this at home, uh, folks. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Anyway, 
it's like a car accident, Stevie, which it was, right? In the truest sense, you know, you got to look. Uh, the other thing I did, Stevie, is I, uh, um, I, I knocked out the uh, Mark Messier book. Uh, I, I, I read it just over a couple of days. It's, it's, it's not, not real long. Uh, it's called uh, No One Wins Alone. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've never been a big, big fan, big cheerleader of sports books. Uh, or, you know, or, or biographies, sports biographies. And um, I, I've got a bunch on my shelf. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've started on a bunch and then I was like, eh, I don't know. You know, the Scotty Bowman book, uh, Derek Sanderson wrote one, Bobby Orr, um, and, and several others that I have. Um, but I, I finally lined up an interview with Mark and I thought, okay, I better, I better knock out this book. And uh, well, you sat in yesterday on the interview with him. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, um, it's, I'll, I'll tell you why it's a great read because he, he says things in that book, okay, that I never, I would, I would never admit if I did it myself. Oh, okay. What he's done, uh, you know, a couple of things. And uh, um, it's, it's, you know, he was in six championships that he won, Stevie, six cups. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be breaking down each cup, you know, with, with page after page talking about, you know, everything from who who, who the goalie was going to be and what the coach said in the dressing room if we were down a little bit. Uh, you know, he did that big guarantee when they beat Jersey, came back and won uh, the year they won the cup. Um, you know, it's going to be breaking down mistakes that they made, right? And, and in fact, in fact, any of those cups that he won, he really, he really just kind of brushes them off in, in the book, goes... Anyway, we lost the first game, but we went on to win that series, and then that year we won the cup. I'm going, okay, (laughs) what's going to happen in the rest of the book here, you know? And he talks about all these experiences with with players, uh, how we tried tried to figure out the power of the mind, the you know, combining, you know, spirit, spiritual, physical, mental, uh, and and but it's good. It's not it's not dry, you know. So uh, it's it's not what you would expect from a six-time Stanley Cup champion and, you know, and been to the finals, you know, another time in there too uh, when, when, when he played. So it was good. You want to play a clip? Yeah, sure. Play a clip for sure, Stevie. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Mark Messier talking a little bit about his book. You can't win alone. Uh, All these great experiences you have with people are in this book and there's some nuggets and how, is that how it worked for you when you said, okay, I'm sure you've been asked to write a book for many, many years. How did it all come together? Well, it did. Uh, I, I was asked to write a book for many years, and I just wasn't prepared. I, after retirement, uh, I could hardly talk about my experiences without getting welled up with emotion because of the how much gratitude I had uh, for my experiences and the people that I shared it with and the people that sat beside me and skated alongside me uh, to make it possible. Uh, you realize that, like the title says, no one wins alone. And, and you're at the mercy of so many people around you when you play a team sport, and especially a team sport at the professional level, playing at the highest level uh, into, you know, Stanley Cup finals, obviously. And then, of course, represent your Canada, your your country and the Team Canada experiences. But, you know, I didn't want to write something that, uh, well, I did want to write something that delved more into the psychology behind the preparation and the and the grit and determination that goes into um, playing on a winning team. Uh, people think playing on a winning team is uh, 
is easy. And so in, in fact, it's the opposite. Playing on a winning team is more difficult than playing on a winning on, on a losing team mm-hmm. uh, because of the expectations, uh, you know, what's required of you, the discipline. Uh, and I thought, you know, when I met Jimmy Roberts, uh, he had given me one of his books about called Breaking the Slump. It was about his experiences with golfers in the, in the golf world and how they would try to get out of a slump that they would get into. And so he was kind of interested in the psychology of sports. So I gave him a bunch of notes that I'd collected over, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 years and said, here's what I'm thinking, you know, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, would you be interested in, you know, in, in helping me write the book? And so he took the notes away and came back and said, wow, this is pretty interesting. Maybe we should do it. And then, of course, I, I, I really enjoyed Pat, uh, uh, you know, uh, Phil Jackson's uh, Sacred Hoops and Pat Riley's with The Winner Within. Those mm-hmm. kind of books that look deeper into the sanctuary of a dressing room, uh, you know, the the trust that has to um, come from within a team. Uh, and those are the things that kind of, when I think about my career, that I, that I think about most. I don't think about any particular games. Of course, I can, and and I I'm, and I and I am reminded of certain instances in certain games and all that. But when you at least when I look back at my career, I look at, I think about the, you know, the, the journey, um, the relationships, uh, the people. Um, and I've said for so many years, you know, I thought when I retired, I was in the hockey business, but the reality was that I was in the people business trying to get people and help people uh, reach their potential, you know, all for the common greater good of the team. And, uh, and that's what I wanted to try to do in the book is to make sure that anybody who read it could take something out of it in their own personal life and integrate that in or that philosophy into that might help them uh, whatever they're doing. So there's Mark Messier talking about his new book that's out there. He also talked in uh, the interview on the Suspendables about not just the book, but about his uh, broadcast career and uh, all kinds of interesting stuff about his dad as well. Yeah, and two, two. I mean, two other big ones. Uh, Mike Keenan was the coach of that Stanley Cup winning team, and uh, you know, he, he, Mark's take on Mike Keenan is not exactly flattering. Okay, uh, but is it's anybody's? Not, yeah, is any well, well, true enough, right? And and yet, Mike Keenan was the head coach of that team in '94, yeah. right when they won. Uh, but he he takes them on during a game, during a game, he, he, like between the second and third period, I think of that of that big game. Keenan plays a lot of mind games with these guys, and he he sat Brian Leach during that game, uh, and and no one really knew why Brian Leach, like multi-time Norris Trophy winner, I think, you know, he was like super good, and uh, they were in this big game, and and Mark went in and told Mike Keenan, knock it off, knock it off with the head games, man. Okay, right. that's a, this ain't the time or place, and uh, that one, and then uh, and then doing shrooms. With his buddies down in Barbados, I said, "What? What?" <laughs> anyway, you would admit that if if it was you writing the book, you wouldn't admit it if you were Mark Messier. Effectively, is what you're saying, right? Well, I just yeah, it, it's it's just a very honest, open book. You know, yeah. um, it, it's like he took all these experiences from, like I was saying to him on the on the podcast, from when you you know you and I've always talked about how far back can you go to what's the first thing you ever remember. And, and for me, it was four or five years old, uh, sitting in a circle at a kindergarten class. You know, they, they were all numbered. And, and he talks about that uh, and, and then sort of bottled up all these experiences and saved them in the back of his ni- mind 
and then poured them out in this book, you know, from, uh, from, from childhood on to, to where he is now. So, right. Anyway, yeah, yeah very good. Great book. Uh, so you can hear, listen for that interview coming up on the Suspendables. It will be published on Wednesday morning, first thing when you wake up. Speaking of the Oilers, they are in free fall here in 2022. The Senators scored five times in the third period to beat the Oilers by a count of six to four on Saturday night. Ottawa was down 3 1 in the game. And so Edmonton has now lost six straight. I think since December 1st, their record is like 2 9. Maybe two ten and two, no two nine and two, something like that. They have just been awful, and uh, I found it kind of interesting to hear a bit of the swagger in the Edmonton media. I don't know if these are holdovers from the Mark Messier days, but somebody actually asked Connor McDavid, you know, how this is one of the most frustrating losses you've ever been a part of, you know, in part because this is a thirtieth place team that beat you tonight. It's like you guys have one playoff series win in fifteen years. You're on a two and twelve run or whatever it is. Like, how can you be looking past anybody? How, how can you be looking at any other team and going, "Well, uh, a team like us shouldn't lose to a team like that." You know, you know what you know what you guys are right now. You're a big bag of suck right now. Anyway, yeah. that was the uh, question that was put to Connor McDavid, and so I got kind of I kind of chuckled at the sort of pseudo arrogance of that question. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you what it's gonna it's gonna taste it's gonna are, are gonna test uh, the the moxie man of Connor McDavid because the the media is getting on him now. Right. Uh, they had asked him about Evander Kane, right? Rumor had it he was gonna come to you know, get picked up here by a team, uh, and Edmonton was right in the fold. Um, you know, a few pundits were saying, "Yeah, watch out! Looks looks like the Oilers are gonna sign him." And then when they asked Connor about it, I, I forget what his answers were, but the reaction from the the media and the fans were very negative towards Connor McDavid, you know, and, and, you know, Russ has always said, right. You can't win alone, right. With a dry settle McDavid. And, and I, I agree with that because sports hindsight is terrific, Russ. So you're looking back at the last 10 or 12 games and they've won two. Okay. Only, but Russ, where, where were we when they were on fire and they went 13 and two or something like that when they opened the season, you know? So uh, yes, you can, but no, you can't. You know, yes, you can win with those games, but no, you can't. So, uh, but they are shit right now. Man, yeah. oh man. And what what a breakdown in the third period of that game, you know? No doubt. And on the Sen side of things, in that same period since December 1st on, like they've just been polar opposites. The Oilers were amazing up until December 1st. The Sens were garbage. And now it's just been a flip-flop. The Oilers garbage. The Sens have gone seven and four now in the same period since December 1st. And they've got uh, Matt Murray. Their big free agent signing from a year and a half ago. They've got him playing pretty decent goaltending, oh, which is go. which is huge. But we'll see if it's two games. He's played two games really good, really well out in Alberta. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes from here. And there was also another thing I wanted to mention. It was oh yeah, the the winning goal by Josh Norris. It was kind of a funny moment because it's a it's basically at that stage it's a tie game. It's four four. There's about four minutes left in the game. Cody Cece, the former senator. Basically, high sticks Josh Norris in the helmet, knocks his helmet off, and the strap's all broken. And so Norris basically has to get a new helmet or get get it fixed. So he's scrambling at the bench. The ref's going, come on, let's get the power play going. And so he just randomly starts grabbing guys' helmets off the bench. First, he saw Austin Watson tried his on, and he actually called him a peanut head. That wasn't going to fit. Here's the toughest guy in the Ottawa Senators, and he's calling him a peanut head. And then uh, the next one he grabs... 
he had to go with or he'd have to get off the ice, one of the two. And luckily for him, it fit. And seconds later, with somebody else's helmet on, he scores what turned out to be the game-winning goal. You don't see that too often. Yeah, and the other thing, Stevie, in that uh, it's the worst part of sports, you know, where your your heart just goes ripping into your mouth with with that high stick when you see it in slow mo. Yeah, uh, it it had all the opportunity, Steve, all the chance of carving a guy's eye out. It yep. was it was accidental, you know, but but it's a penalty. Uh, so so whoever uh, CC right is is yep. lifts up or is trying to lift up his stick or or make a play. So he's got the you know the butt of the stick in his left hand and and the right hand down the shaft. And when he lunges his stick up from the ice, it's the tip of the blade is pointing up, okay, pointing up and hooks, uh, you know, hooks underneath the visor, yeah, uh, of Norris. And and somehow, somehow the guy doesn't even get cut, you know. But yikes. yeah, it just basically went all the way, right? It's it slid in there underneath the visor knife, yeah. and then went straight up and knocked the helmet off. If CeCe, for whatever reason, realizes where his stick is gone and then just decides to turn it inward toward Norris, then uh, that could have been ugly. But uh, as it turns out, he was absolutely fine, picked up somebody else's helmet, won the game. Bob's your uncle. Anyway, so the Sens win that game, and uh, we got to get into some NFL talk because it was a crazy weekend. And I think the one play that everybody's talking about was the conclusion to the Dallas Cowboys game. It was, if you're a Cowboy fan your worst nightmare for everybody else. It was bliss. We'll talk about it coming up after these words. A lot of people I talk to end up asking me about what coverages should they have for their house? How much do I need? Why would I want that? Hi, I'm Jared Gerard, All Insurance Ontario. Call or text me at 801-2659. Give me a call. Let's have that talk and we'll make sure that you have the coverages that you want and that you need. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. Jim K. Ford in 2022 will be celebrating their 40th anniversary. They're one of the longest running dealerships in the entire city, and I think the best. I've been going to them for about 20 years now, and they've always taken care of me and my vehicle needs, and certainly they've been great supporters of this podcast. Uh, So we hope you'll check out Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. And I also want to tell you about the Glen Walton Real Estate Team. We all know that home prices remain sky high right now. And if you're curious to know what your home is worth in a crazy market like this, call the Glen Walton Real Estate Team today for a free, no-obligation estimate. You might be surprised to learn what you could get for your home and what similar homes are going for in this market. Call the Glen Walton Real Estate Team today at glenwalton.com. So I assume you probably saw the Dallas Cowboys finish in the uh, in the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. They fall 23-17 to 17 to the 49ers. For a while there, it looked like the 49ers were on their way to a blowout win. Right. They had a 23-7 to 7 lead in the fourth. And then the Cowboys, big comeback to cut the lead to 23-17. But the comeback fell short on the Cowboys' final drive right at the Niners' 24-yard line. And for some reason... With just seconds left on the clock, they decided to call a quarterback sneak up the middle. Dak Prescott ran for about, I don't know, 10, 15 yards, whatever it was, to the 24-yard line, and the clock expired. But not, I don't know, what did you think of that? Because it looked like they had time to spike the ball, but the referee got in the way, basically ramming into the back of Dak Prescott as he's over the ball. 
What did you make of the whole thing? Well, I didn't know the rule until that. So, you know, first of all, there were, there were you know, the commentators were going, what is Zach, what's, what's Dak Prescott doing there running up the middle? But, but I get that. I get that. Let, let's say they can manage the clock, right? I think they had 14 seconds left. Uh, the field goal is no good. And, you know, it's only a touchdown. So they got too far to go, Stevie, to try and, you know, to try and manage the clock and, and, and get a normal touchdown. So they're saying what, what you're watching here is a team who has to get in position for the Hail Mary. Okay, so they got to get inside the, you know, the 50-yard line or something like that. You know, and yep. of course, the closer they get, the easier it is maybe to, to try and throw a TD pass. So I, I get that. I get that, that Dak ran at an extra 10 or 12 yards there that he got. Um, a little tight on time though, right? <laughs> like, uh, so then the other thing is, so they, they, they do that. Everyone scrambles to line up and the, and the ref is in the middle of the two line fumbling around trying to get, trying to move the ball, which really made no difference whether it was a foot this way or a foot the other way. Right. Uh, they, they weren't, they weren't trying to post a first down here. They had another down, right. They, they had a, a lot of downs and it's kind of like, you know, four, three, two, uh, snap the ball. And then, but, but they go, well, wait a minute. No, no, the ref, the referee, you can't snap it yet. The referee has to touch the ball is the rule. And right, Stevie? Yeah. When the Cowboys, after the quarterback sneak, they line up and as they're lining up, like that referee must be 25, 30 yards behind the ball. So he begins at this stage and this is not a, a fit young man. This is a, well into middle-aged referee. So he starts chugging from 25, 30 yards away. And as he arrives, he slams into Dak Prescott. And he basically almost falls on top of his center at that point. And then he sort of squeezes past everything, sets the ball. He moves it six inches one way and then moves it back six inches the other. So I don't know what he was up to there exactly. But all I'm thinking of is the time ran out by about half a second. For sure, time ran out before the ball was spiked. Between the collision... That was the ref's fault. And the ref basically playing, I don't know, just sliding the ball around. For All he had to do was set the ball down and get the hell out of the way. He moved it and then moved it back and then moved. It's like somewhere in there was enough time for Dallas to be able to ground the ball. And so for sure, it's the Cowboys' fault for making a bonehead decision to, to basically, with no timeouts, to call that play. It was not smart. That said, I feel like they should have added time on the clock honestly, because of what the referee did there. It was all, it was such a clumsy operation. That should not be the fault of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and it's really odd, Stevie, that, you know, the, the video replay, right, is, is they lean on that shit all day long now in an NFL game, right? I, I've lost track, Steve, of what's, what's reviewable and what isn't anymore, okay, in an NFL game. But tons is. Lots is reviewable. Yep. And and often you'll see, Steve, in some of those reviews that the ref will come out and go, upon further review, it's a it's a completed pass. Please add four seconds to the clock. Okay? Please take four off. Please run off three. Please add 10. Please add two. Do. So, so they can do that. Okay, Stevie? Um, you know, the other one, Steve, is they're, they're a little bit loose, Steve, on the play clock. Okay? Like I've I've seen lots of those games, Steve, where the play clock runs down to zero, and they give the they, they give the quarterback a little bit of leeway there. Totally okay? agree. Totally, where they snap it when it, when it's gone beyond zero. So, yeah. 
So there's a good example of half second that's, you know, kind of important, okay? Half second here or there. Um, so when we look at this, wait a minute. I agree, Steve. Whoa, whoa. And what, what do they do, Steve? They just march out in the middle of the field, go, the game is over. Yeah. Right? And, and I'm going, no, no, no freaking challenge flag here. <laughs> right? Uh, no one's going anywhere. We got to review this. Yeah. We got to review it. Nobody has more joy than I do because I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. I, I kind of revel in their misery. But I really think that when you have a scenario where the clumsiness of an official, the time that took was more than enough for Dallas to have the ball spiked because less than a second elapsed. Like the game was definitely the, the zeros ha- happened before Dak Prescott hit that ball, uh, knocked that ball down. But um, honestly, I really feel. Like and then I don't I know the rules don't allow for it, but they probably should. Is what my, my point is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They should have regrouped, review it, and go. Okay, we're gonna. You know, we made a mistake. Uh, we're gonna add a second or two here. Especially Steve, when you you know the, when you look at it, as you explain, he touches the ball, uh, and and if they as soon as he touched the ball, if they would have would have allowed them to snap it, they would have had a second left. Yeah, but but he but it's like he's playing checkers, Steve, going back and forth with the football. You know. Uh, so I think they should have reviewed it. I think they should have added time and who knows what would happen. Yeah. Some other interesting games, obviously. Uh, I mean, there were some blowouts like the chiefs over the Steelers blowout. Yeah. The Buccaneers over the Eagles was an absolute blowout. Like it was 31 to 15. So it didn't look that bad, but the bucks jumped out to a 31 to nothing lead there. And, uh, Jalen hurts, not quite ready for prime time just yet. Bengals over the Raiders, 26 to 19. Like that was a, the Raiders were right there at the end of that game as well. Even though they made more mistakes in a game than I've ever seen a team make. It was bananas. How many offensive line, uh, you know, illegal procedure calls we're seeing. We're just seeing one mistake after another in that game. And and they even got screwed a little bit because the Bengals got a touchdown after a whistle went. Joe Burrow's running out of bounds. And he throws the ball, the whistle, you can hear it as the ball is in the air. Like loudly, you hear the whistle. The catch is made in the end zone for a touchdown. You can't award a touchdown after a whistle goes like that, but somehow, some way they did. So despite all, my point is, despite all the things that happened to the Raiders in that game with their own boneheadedness and the bad luck, they still had a chance to win the thing at the end. But as it was, the Bengals end their 31-year playoff drought. And interesting thing, they call it the curse of Bo Jackson in some quarters in Cincy because it was 31 years earlier in the playoffs where a Bengal tacker tackle on Bo Jackson of the Raiders ended his career. And so the Bengals, well, they haven't won in 31 year, years since that game. And Bo Jackson, that was his last snap of his career because of that tackle. Right. Um, yeah, big play. You know, Burrow's whipping across, running to his right. Uh, pulls off the pass, Stevie. Like he, he, he. They had to review it if the because he he jumped because he was going to run out of bounds, but he jumped up and got got rid of the pass while he was in the air yeah. and landed out of bounds. It was brilliant, but uh, yeah, whistle goes off in the middle of the air. And Stevie, if they look at it, the defender stops running. The defender does not make a play on the ball. Right, right, and, and clearly because he heard a whistle. So that's as big as that referee deal that happened. But anyway. Yeah, so there's a there's a rule that does not exist. Like the referees basically rewrote the rule book. There is no rule in the book 
that says you can go ahead and willy nilly make a call after the after the or, or, or ward a touchdown after the whistle goes. They basically took the matters into their own hands because I think they thought that that was a reasonable thing. Guy didn't go out of bounds. The whistle shouldn't have gone. So we shouldn't penalize them for what we as officials did. Well, mm-hmm. I'd go back to the Dallas Cowboys case there. There may not be anything in the book, but the clumsiness of our official here, who's 30 yards away from the play on what was absolutely we knew was going to be a good chance that they were going to be mm-hmm. spiking the ball in the very next play. You're 30 yards away from the line of scrimmage at this stage, and you got to sprint in there, and then you right. run into the quarterback and knock him forward by two yards, and then you take your time shuffling the ball around. You, if you're going to use a common sense rule in the Bengal Raider game, you probably could have used it in the Niners Cowboys game. I agree. Yep, I I agree. How about that Bills Patriots game? How cold did that look? Ooh. Oh my god! Yeah, that was that was frosty. <laughs> you know, you know what, Stevie, the, the guy's a tank. Okay, the guy's a tank. The quarterback, Josh okay. Allen. The, yeah, Josh Allen. Um, you know, and he he's kind of the same side. They 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 talk about. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, right? That that probably played his last game, and and he should play his last game. Steve, he was he, he just looks no good anymore to me. But um, he's huge, right? He's just a giant, and and, yeah. and and that kid's big. They say it's like trying to tackle an apartment when when Ben Roethlisberger would would run, you know, with the ball. Uh, but th- Matt, that dude, he runs like he runs like a nifty running back, Steve. Well, he looks like a tight end. I'm gonna to bet like- on him the whole way through. They sure look good in that game. And Josh Allen, like you say, was a beast with his legs. I mean, lots of uh, scrambling and and, and just a, he doesn't it just slide, a, Stevie. He doesn't yeah. slide. He he runs to get tackled. You know, I don't care. I don't care how big you are or tough you are on a night like that where it's I don't know it's hovering around minus twenty Celsius. I'm yeah. uh, I'm gonna slide whenever possible. But no, he was uh, tough as nails. And oh, by the way, also threw for five touchdowns and three hundred eight yards. So he had a pretty good night. So, uh, yeah, the Patriots, Bill Belichick's news conference after, understandably and predictably, he didn't have a lot to say. Yeah, He made a a brief statement. The Bills are really good. We really weren't that good. And, uh, yeah, that's it. See you later. (laughs) Not much else. And I always always admire the beat reporters after all this time. I mean, Belichick's been in New England for over 20 years, and they still think that there will be a follow-up question that will engage that guy. Like, do right. we not know by now that that guy will make a brief statement that maybe lasts 60 seconds max? He has no interest in any of your follow-up questions. None. And yet they try. They still they still persist. Well, the, the post-game interview is a dumb thing, Stevie. Always has been. The, po- the, post, the post-game win or loss interview with either one of the players or the coaches. Depends if you there's know. something good to talk about. Like, I would want to know from Cowboy coach Mike McCarthy what he thought of the officials well, slamming into his quarterback as the, the basically the clock was expiring. I mean, there are moments in games that I, I kind of want explanations for, whether it's their reaction to something that happened in the field or whether they can share with us the strategy they had in mind for something that went great or something that went horribly. Um, I like to hear from the coaches a little bit, but not too much. I don't need a well, lot you, from them. Right. I'm, I'm talking about the innocuous shift, you know, with this. Yeah. You know, and you and I both agree, Steve, and you see it every weekend, you see it every game, you see it every two hours when you're watching sports, whether it's a golf championship, tennis, hockey, baseball, basketball, football. What does this game mean to you guys? What does it, what does this victory mean to you guys? I would go like this, Steve. 
That's what I would do. That's how right. I'd answer that. What? What? Yeah, yeah. nothing. What? I'm mean, fuck. <laughs> like you've always said, and I agree. Like you've got some time to prepare here. You know, it's not like the, the, they blew the final whistle and then they tapped you on the shoulder and said, "Run out there and get a quote right now from the quarterback." Right? You got. You're, you're gonna. By the way, here's your assignments, Aaron Andrews. You're gonna be doing the the post game with with Ben. Okay, or the winning quarterback. Okay, Aaron, let's. I know what I should do. Sit down and maybe prepare something a little engaging, Steve. Yeah, but that's the thing in Buffalo. I heard one great question after another. They were all well thought out questions, articulate. They weren't being accusatory. They were being pleasant, and every time it was like Bill Belichick effectively, by his demeanor, was saying to them, "Listen, I've made my statement." I don't want to answer these questions anymore. You heard my statement. I'm not answering these questions. And so all these lovely questions were always of the same ilk. Well, as I said earlier, they they played better than us. That's it. Yeah. Reminds you of a mob boss, Belichick. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm not going to answer that because yeah, I yeah. don't have to. So no, we have we- our – basically everything's set. Uh, I mean, it's we're recording here on Monday – and so Monday night, we'll know who wins between the Rams and the Cardinals. But everything else is set for next weekend. It's going to be on Saturday, 4.30, Cincy at Tennessee. NFC at 8.15, the 49ers at my Packers. Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock, Arizona or L.A. at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then 6.30 on Sunday night, the Bills at Kansas City. So four amazing matchups there and cannot wait. And finally... We should, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Novak Djokovic. He has been deported now from Australia. That happened on Sunday because he's not vaccinated, so he's not going to compete at the Australian Open. And now there's word that he might be barred from playing in the French Open. Right now, as things stand, the French sports ministry said today there would be no exemption from France's new vaccine law. So we'll have to keep an eye on that as well. Don't have a lot of sympathy for Novak Djokovic. And I was saying on the weekend too, Jimmy, that like no matter what my, whatever my feeling is about vaccines, like is, is this, is it worth this much trouble for Djokovic? In case you're against vaccines, you're thinking, okay, I don't know if it's healthy for me, whatever. It's like, I would just go ahead and do it. It takes 10 seconds and not getting it. Has it been worth everything? Like, is this, has it been worth the tarnishing your reputation here and this worldwide scorn you're un- enduring right now? Like, I'd, I'd, I'd almost go ahead and do it and just say, oh, screw it. They want me to get it. I'll get it. All right. Some guy some guy jumped down my throat. I forget what my take was. Uh, it must have been something like I was I was talking like uh, Djokovic has the virus. And, you know, the, the way I was talking about how I, I think it's I think it's brutal that he didn't get vaccinated. I think he should be penalized. How, where, the gravity of it, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't care, but... Um, you know, it, people have a reason or have their reason, Stevie, not to be vaccinated. And I'm, I'm curious to hear those uh, until, I, I, again, I go back to this take where, where someone said, if you got the virus, you know, because one of their reasons is I'm, I'm, not, I'm not allowing you to put, you know, relatively untested medicine, okay, mm-hmm. into, my, into my body. I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. You hear that a lot. Uh, yet, Stevie, if they were in a hospital dying, uh, they wouldn't question the drugs they're pumping into you to save your life. You know what I mean? 
You're, you're oh, like, yeah. what are you doing there? Well, we're, we're trying to restart your heart. Okay. Uh, are you okay if we put this in to try? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, any number of things that they, if you have a life-threatening situation that's an emergency situation and you check yeah. yourself into a hospital, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to say anything. You're just going to let them do what they have to do. It's just like the, uh, you know, you get on an airplane and the captain starts talking about, yeah, we're coming in. And, uh, it's like, I was a bin road, really, and just starts saying, yeah. telling me about the altitude. And it's like, I think it's a Seinfeld bit, actually. As, as a passenger, well, you're scam going, at a yeah. bin, Stevie. You know, that's dangerous. <laughs> scam at a bin. Okay, that's a big serious call. Scam at a bin. <laughs> but as Seinfeld says in his act, he says like, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, good. Uh, I, I don't care about flaps and 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 uh, and and how high we are above uh, right. of the ground and stuff. I don't just just do what you got to do. Just get us just get us where we have to go. I don't know anything about you know air air travel, so I'll leave it right. to you, the expert. And yet, for yeah, some yeah. reason. It's like these people would jump in a plane and start saying, I don't know about that uh, that trajectory or, or that yeah. wind we got going there. I don't, don't know. Just shut right. it, it is funny. I don't... On the other hand, um, you know, this guy's the number one player in the, in your sport. The Australian Open is is just, you know, is, is a major, right? It's huge. Uh, and part of me goes, okay, let's give the guy a pass, okay? Because... Uh, this guy's a huge draw, you know, he's a huge draw. And then people go, well, you can't make exceptions for him. Oh, yeah, well, that's unrealistic. Okay. That is unrealistic, right? You see exceptions made all the time with superstars in the games. So, yeah, you know, part of me goes, because I, I like the guy. He's such a nice guy. You know, he's such a nice guy. And he's speaking of, with the media. He's fantastic in his press conferences and stuff. But anyway, lesson learned, I guess. Yep. And we'll see what happens open and there's also i think something about the visa that says it might be two more years where he might not be able to play at the australian open though i've heard that there's also some loopholes in that regard i have a hard time believing that uh, Djokovic would be basically banned for the next after this one two australian opens but we'll see we shall see well, well what's take weird a- too stevie if you're running the australian open or you're the australian government or you know australian tourism right they get so much exposure right it's a two-week long event you know, and they talk about Djokovic is in court fighting, fighting for his release so he can play. Uh, I'm going. Well, I, I would. I, where's the Where's the government coming yeah. in? Going, we're fighting for his release. Okay, everyone's on the same page here. <laughs> Boom, stamped in. Yeah. Let's go. You know. Yeah. All right. We'll take a time out of the program. We'll get back with final words after this. Final words after this. It's usually fine. We'll be back with final thoughts after these Skim- words. Skimbity dumb or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that was. Uh, we're back in a moment. With dozens of huge insurance companies fighting for your business, rates are incredibly competitive. That means you're better off selecting on fit rather than premiums, since they're all pretty close. Are you a client with a boat and a cottage or rentals and investments? Let's work together to find the right fit for you. Text 8606008. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. Jim K. Ford is your Ottawa-certified pre-owned Ford dealer. They remove all the worries with a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, vehicle history report, purchase financing rates from 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. That is peace of mind. Check out JimKFord.com. They're at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. And podcast advertising is one of the most effective ways to get your business message out to the masses. Podcast listeners are far more likely to listen to your message than on other media out there. The message comes directly, in this case, 
from either Jimmy or myself. If you'd like to advertise on this podcast and get your business message in front of thousands of Ottawa sports fans, then contact us today through stevewproject.com. James, any final thoughts today as we wrap things up? Um, what am I going to do today, Stevie? We're into, I'll, I'll tell you what, Stevie, what, what you real want is tomorrow is my first first report. Uh, it's, it's plus two or three here right now, and it's raining. Mm-hmm. But in four hours, it's going to go to minus 15 or something. Wow. Get the skates on. Get the, yeah, this is, it's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> snow day. Uh, so uh, you can I skate to the corner skates. store and get some smokes today. I'm going to, you know what? I might do that. Yeah, I might do that. Show you a little, you know, get out there and do a little twirl or two. No, What's the, you, you do the twalking. What would that be called? The, the, the tating? I don't Skawking. Know. <laughs> Skating and walking. Skawking. Skawking. I like it. Rhymes with. uh, Good night, everybody. Yeah, we'll see you. Thanks for being with us on the SWP. Please subscribe today or support us on Patreon at stevewproject.com.